0: It was not like, you know, St. Paul on, on the road to Damascus and so on. It was just a seed, and it just went to work in me. And that's how he's, our Lord has continued to work with me throughout my life, is he'll just keep dropping these seeds in.
1: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer. So why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in for the next little while, as we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Like I said, and I seem to have been saying over and over uh, with each episode, is normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beer. But unfortunately, Dennis is still not able to join us again on this episode. Uh, He is still home recuperating from some health issues. Uh, I can happily say that I spoke to Dennis earlier this week, and he sounded the best uh, I had heard him in quite some time. Please keep praying for Dennis, and it would be great if you left a quick prayer comment or message via the Facebook page. And I always make sure that he gets those. And I know for a fact that everyone's prayers have been sustaining him through this illness. Now, just before I introduce you to this episode's guest, I do want to give a quick shout out to the folks over at Feedspot.com. It came to my attention just this week that uh, at Feedspot.com, they've listed the Pines and Pews podcast as one of the best 80 Catholic podcasts to listen to in 2021. Now that puts us in some quite illustrious company with the likes of Father Mike Schmitz and Word on Fire, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and Catholic Answers. And uh, we are duly way, way down that list, but we are on the best 80 Catholic podcasts list for this year. So I encourage you, if you want to check out the Pines and Pews podcast listing there, or to learn about some other fantastic Catholic podcasts that are out there, go over and visit them at blog.feedspot.com slash catholic underscore podcasts. So I want to introduce our listeners now to this episode's guest, Dominic D'Souza. Dominic was born in New Zealand, raised in Australia, and is now living in the USA. Along the way, he's had some pit stops to study in Fiji and France, Dominic D'Souza is a cradle Catholic who is passionate about faith, history, and science, and how they all come together in today's world. He's a self-professed geek when it comes to the epic, the human, the mystic, and the angelic. A conversion moment back in 2012 launched him on a personal pilgrimage to rediscover and fall in love with his Catholic faith in the space age. Dominic has come to the wisdom that all Catholics, through renewal of their faith, must rediscover the inner life that we are baptized into, so that we can let that faith-filled life back out into the world. He does this through the Smart Catholics apostolate at smartcatholics.com, as well as a couple of other apostolates that he has on the go. Dominic is a branding strategist, a web and graphic designer, author, author photographer, and recipe follower, all the while fulfilling the most important vocations that the Lord has called him to. That is of husband and father to Maria and Maria. And today he has carved out some time to be a guest here on the Pints and Pews podcast. Dominic, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Robert. Good to be here. It's amazing to to have you. Uh, as we were talking a little bit uh, off air before we we started recording, it's been a while. We got to know each other a few years ago, quickly through your Saint Nook Apostolate and mm-hmm. another good friend of ours, uh, Monica McConk. Monica McConkie. Yeah, right. Mon- I know her as I know her as Monica Kuzatz, her maiden name, because we went to high school together. Um, oh, I gotcha. But but Monica over at EquippingCatholicFamilies and the, the Armadae uh, apostolate that she has. And then, again, through the Smart Catholics in the last year and a half or so, uh, mm-hmm. we got to know each other, uh, again, through your apostolate and the different conferences that uh, you were organizing, uh, the Renewed Hope Conference that started it all off, and then Immortal Combat for uh, the Gentleman, God is Mercy, with another good friend of ours, Anne DeSantis, at the Sowing mm-hmm. Hope Network. Mm-hmm. and modern saints as well so i don't know about you but I, i'm just getting tired reading your bio
0: uh here yeah, and going well, we can, everything why don't we talk on. about what's <laughs> let's talk about what we're drinking with you know with those parched throats
1: well that, that's just it i get i get through all that bio and it's like oh, okay my mouth is getting dry so
0: hmm.
1: yeah so what are you drinking with us here this evening
0: uh, yeah i couldn't make it with a beer so i'm interested to hear what uh uh, what you're imbibing um on my end i picked the most interesting thing i think of um i have uh, dandelion coffee so it's like ground up dandelion roots and it ends up being a nice um hot drink you prepare it just like coffee bit of sugar some milk and uh it doesn't have caffeine but it's got a little bit of that bitter kind of edge that coffee does so in the springtime, I'll have to start digging up my front lawn, and then <laughs> you just you just buy a big bag of the dried stuff um, from Amazon.
1: Can you get it in the espresso uh, flavor of that as well? Or
0: I have no idea. Given that it's it's caffeine free, it's just kind of like I don't know nature's decaf or something, I guess. Yeah, I
1: see, my my morning go to is a big bowl of espresso. So uh, uh. I just need that kick, and then it keeps me going through the rest of the day.
0: Yeah,
1: so, yeah, it's starting to yeah, peter out yeah. though. So actually today I'm having one of Dennis's favorite breweries mm-hmm. uh, from the Brock Street Brewery, which is in a town of Whitbeam, which is actually where Dennis and I both work. Uh, I'd say it's about a half hour drive south of where I am. And I'm having the Brock Street Lagered Amber Ale. I always hold it up so that the guests can read the label, but I know on the podcast <laughs> that it's you know uh-huh. kind of a bit of a mute point for our, our listeners. So we're going to crack this open and we'll, we'll give it a pour. I'm a really big fan of the Brock Street traditional Irish red, yeah. And I normally would have had that this evening, except I didn't get it in, into the fridge in time, so it wasn't cold enough. But the lagered Amber Ale is a a nice, beautiful deep amber color
0: it is no that's a lovely looking thing
1: and a nice bit of foam at the top Uh, so we will say our grace before beer our grace before dandelion coffee Uh, (laughs) and then that way we can get into our first sip and the first sip is always the best Mm -hmm. we begin as always in our faith in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen bless O lord these creatures, dandelion coffee and beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain and from the roots of plants, that they may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink of them may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I need to ask, even though you're not having Mm -hmm. a beer today, actually, here, before we get going, cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Oh, always nice, the first sip. And then you're saying the the dandelion coffee has that bitter edge. This has a nice little bit of a, a bitterness to it. Mm -hmm. cool and crisp, uh, nicely thirst quenching. And it still has that robust flavor that you would expect from an ambulance here. here. So I'm not, not to rub it in or anything. (laughs) Now I wanted to ask you, is there a a craft beer movement in
0: your neck of the woods? You know, there may well be, unfortunately, I don't know too much about it. We moved here almost right before the pandemic uh, hit and then apart from that, I also work from home. So yeah, unfortunately, don't get out too much yet. Um, but where I do live is Charleston. So there is, there's a lot of good food, a lot of good beer, and, and we'll see plenty of local breweries You know, advertised around the place. I just haven't a chance to get into them yet.
1: So and again, I'm guessing that just the timing of everything
0: and your move,
1: getting to know catholic men's fellowship or catholic fellowship
0: in the mm. area yeah um, that's that's been tough too i mean i've seen <clears throat> groups like you know that man is you knights of columbus and so on but just not been able to actually join them i guess one response i've had to that is to actually create a men's group online with i think our mutual friend mark rudak through mm-hmm. the smart Catholic community and partner up with um dot and that would be the men's group where i spend most of my time so online, I would, I would love to do something in person, though. I, th- I thrive with you know, getting back to the face-to-face and human contact.
1: Oh, for sure. And that's, I have found, been one of the biggest challenges as well. Uh, I help facilitate a men's group in our local parish. Uh, we get together once a month, and we do a little bit of faith formation. Mm-hmm. We start with a decade of the rosary, some faith formation between watching videos and then interacting on that. And then we we ended off with some fellowships. So Mm -hmm. every month somebody else takes a turn bringing some snacks and we have a couple of uh, beers on the go. And just having that opportunity to sit around as a a group of Catholic men, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, really important. Now, we started off in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really last all that long before we had to shut it down as yeah, well to the in-person and so that was really tough
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was really tough in the summer months we were able to get together uh, we don't do a formal session in July and August we get together at a local pub and mm-hmm. the guys really like just having that opportunity to to get together and talk about the faith yeah
0: uh, yeah
1: and then again now we are able to get together once again in the, the church hall but it's the same you know the mm-hmm. social distancing and, and the mass but that personal interaction.
0: Yeah. No, and, and I mean, it's it's important, I think, for, well, for men and women, for different reasons. But there was an article I read, a couple of articles, I think it was on, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of the website. It wasn't one of those those man's website. The guy's got his you know pugilistic fists up in his twisted mustachios. Um, I forget the name of it. Art of Manliness, maybe. Anyhow, they were talking about the role of honor in men's lives. And it just, I'd never considered before, but the idea that honor is something that you know, we laterally earn from each other. It has to be given. It has to be received. It has to be, you know, kind of worked out within a community. And, um, I think we men struggle when we don't have a sense of honor. Now, we're not talking about honor in terms of personal pride or honor in terms of, um, I, I don't know, maybe like the samurai or medieval knights. But this is the sense of, I guess, like my self esteem. Uh, as a man, it, there's a point where it sort of gets crowdsourced from other guys, and then we sort of do that and, and we learn that and we see it modeled, so that we can then internalize and then start to detach from needing it so much from other people. But if you never have it, you can have a really hard time establishing a sense of you know self identity and where you fit in the community. And um, so, I think guys and girls do it differently but it is either way. It's absolutely critical for that convivium, the, the communion together of, of people.
1: That, that that notion of brotherhood. And like you say, um, getting that from, from one another and growing into being the men and the woman that God is calling us to be. Mm-hmm. And I know in one of the the conferences, uh, the Immortal Combat conference, when I, I spoke about how our Catholic faith helps strengthen our marriage, and I always talk about that notion of being complementary—that mm-hmm. you know, men and and women equal side by side, but to be complementary, to you know, each other's strengths are are there to help us with our weaknesses, and mm-hmm. I think it's by being in fellowship with other men, that we can come to discern how God is calling us to develop that. Mm -hmm. And and that's very important to to have those fellowship outlets and finding those. Like you say, recently, very difficult. So kudos to you for starting the online one. And, And doing that online as well. And you mentioned our friend Merrick, you guys aren't exactly next door neighbors. (laughs)
0: no he's all the way in texas i'm in south carolina so but we meet you know several times a month over video chat just privately and then you know he's got his group chats with the people and and in a way being online it does dissolve distance it it does make connection a bit different but different is you know well, it's, it's just different. You're still dealing with other people. You can still, you know, iron sharpens iron and, and you can argue and, and you know discuss and you can still see how somebody else lives and expresses uh, the life of Christ in them. And I think that is critical is to, uh, to have lots of exposure to lots of different lived experiences. Um, I, I remember reading this one line as a kid and it was like, learn from the mistakes of others. You'll never live long enough to make them all yourself. True, true. I'm working on it,
1: though. I'm trying hard to make all the mistakes on my own. (laughs) Fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the beauty of the technology that we are blessed with Mm -hmm. in our day and age. Because when you think about it, you know, back over the past pandemics, especially everyone keeps referring to the Spanish flu 100 years ago, it's almost been been a complete century or a little bit more than 100 years. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the same possibilities that we have. Yeah. And you're talking about getting to share those lived experiences and the lived experience here in Southern Ontario, although similar to South Carolina Mm, is also vastly different Yeah, and even more different from Texas. I can imagine. I I only know Texas from what I've seen on television. Uh, Uh so, So I'm sure it's not as different as it's portrayed, but having that, that access to those, you know, shared experiences, but also different experiences, again, to help us constantly grow in yeah. our faith and, and develop, to become the men that we we're, we're called to be. And so I we're at the point now where uh, I always say this is where Dennis is in his element and he likes to unleash his inner Marcus Grodi. <laughs> And he'll say, we're going to get out of the way. And it's time for Dominic to, to share his story and, and share your faith foundation and your journey uh, in the bio, which, you know, I pinched off of your website. Uh, you mm-hmm. spoke about a conversion moment back in 2012. But also, as I was reading that bio, you know, it's the the lonely traveler or the, the globe trotter you know, New mm-hmm. Zealand to Australia to the Mm -hmm. united states but through fiji and france and i'm sure a couple other places Has canada ever been on that list
0: i haven't made it there yet no
1: we'll have to work on that absolutely and and (laughs) once things open up and it's a little bit easier to travel you're um here in the toronto area you know you have at least two good friends that you
0: can come crash on a sofa somewhere oh and likewise my friend no that would be that would be great no i'm i call myself an accidental world traveler because yeah, my dad was the one who was um, job hunting and uh, and traveling around. He was, um, gosh, what was he? for? I was born in New Zealand. And at that time, he was primarily a linguist. Um, he's a bit of a polyglot. So he speaks like seven languages and stuff. And uh, uh, he then kept applying for and taking different positions, um, primarily within the Catholic world as a teacher. And he kept trying to set up his own ministry and doing radio shows and such. And and it was for that reason that we ended up doing uh, all kinds of traveling, um, kind of like a military. You know, you've got military brats, we got like faith brats. You know, so um, yeah, our family sort of followed him around. So I uh, first time I ever went to school was in Fiji, and they're all Hindu uh, Indians and and local, you know, Fijians. Maybe some were Christian, and you know, we're all in in, in school together. That was my first experience. My parents had homeschooled us before then um and then we mostly grew up in australia and then uh, spent a year in a a uh, boarding school in france and then uh, right around then the visa situation <laughs> fell through and it didn't work and we'd sold everything in australia <clears throat> to move to europe and that didn't work and so we decided let's all just come back to america my mom's from america
1: so, that, so made, all... that made it easier to come back then that yeah was... exactly
0: she had family here and so and then uh I ended up taking a stint right out of high school, going back to Australia, to Sydney, uh, to work with the Catholic ministry there. And then over catholicmatch.com, I met my now wife, Maria, and then I flew back to to meet her in uh, Maryland, United States, and um, match made in heaven. And it just clicked and we got married almost instantly. And uh just started our lives together. So
1: it, so it is possible for God to bring the souls he wants together, together Mm -hmm.
0: online. Absolutely. I mean, long distance relationships are tough. That was before people had stuff like Facebook. I mean, now it's actually the other problem is you can't disconnect from people if you ever do want to. So it goes the other
1: way though. Yeah, you're a little too connected and you can't hide sometimes. Uh, I have an unwritten rule. That when I leave the school, mm-hmm. I also leave my school email and messaging behind. I don't look at anything once I leave the building. There's been the odd time if I'm really absolutely needed they have my phone number and they will call, and that's happened maybe three times. Mm-hmm. But that that need to to disconnect. But and you say too that you you got married almost immediately. I remember with my own wife, uh we'd only gone on a couple of dates, and it's like, yeah, this is what God wants. Yeah, this is right. Uh, we still waited two years to get married, mm-hmm. but it was like, yeah, no, this is this is what we're called. This is who we're called to be with. Mm. We alluded to and you mentioned uh, in your bio, this conversion moment in 2012. So why don't you walk us through that and how that's really set a foundation and set you on the path that you're on today? Gotcha.
0: Yes. Good, good, good question. Um, Well, first I like to joke, it was the Mayan calendar and 2012 was when everything um, was, well, supposed to fall apart, but then the amazing thing was that Our Lady's birthday for Our Lady of Guadalupe or feast day was exactly on that same date and it was supposed to fall apart. So I like to credit her with not only my conversion, which it is absolutely true, but um, saving the whole world and, and saving it from falling apart. Um, but I was uh, uh, what I do is graphic design, branding, marketing, that sort of thing. And at the time, um, there was this distinct moment. I remember it was a late evening in Pennsylvania. And uh, I was sitting in the little office house that we were renting, and it it was dark, and it was quiet, and I'm playing my, I think I had a CD of Vivaldi or something at the time, and I was cutting out pictures of Christ our Lord to go on the cover of some DVD or some CD or something. And I remember this moment of just like silence that struck me when I looked into the eyes of the face I was cutting out, and then just realized... I don't know who you are as in I have no actual experience of you you're an actual real person and I'm basically handling your 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 icons as someone handles cards you know in a game and I'm just moving things around and uh, thinking of everything else and there was no actual sense of reverence about you know what I was you know the work I was on cuz I didn't I did not have that just a sense of who he is not just who he was and his eyes really seemed to be looking out at me from the computer screen and nothing there it was not like you know saint paul on, on the road to damascus and so on it was just a seed and it just went to work in me and that's how he's our lord has continued to work with me throughout my life is he'll just keep dropping these seeds in and then they will um sometimes take months take years but they'll thanks be to god they'll they'll take root and then they'll just start breaking me apart from the inside and growing into into something new and 10 years later i look back at my life and i don't recognize who i am now you know versus to who i was then and very very grateful to be constantly you know growing so that was that conversion moment to begin to realize i was stuck in a whole lot of head knowledge um, mm-hmm. and that's on the one hand, the temptation of, of apologetics, uh, apologetics without mysticism is a problem and mysticism without apologetics is, is can also be its own problem. But if you can marry the two, then, then you can have a healthy relationship to it all because mysticism is the, it's the individual undeniable, um, lived experience of life in Christ. And it's everybody, every single person is called to that. And if you don't ever slow down and actually put a little bit of love and effort into a relationship with Christ, then you're basically what I was. And uh, there's always the temptation to go back to just being a card-carrying Catholic. And you're you're just basically pushing things around in your life. And it's not actually ever moving down from the head down into your heart. Because when things enter into your heart, then they become, then it becomes true belief because belief isn't just something you think. Belief is something you live out. We end up living out um, a lot of things and we we can say one thing, but then we go and we act another. So if someone is to ask you, what do you believe? And you can then say all these beautiful things. But then if you go and you live out all of this other stuff, then you're actually demonstrating this is what I actually believe. Here's what I think I should be believing. Until those two sides are fully integrated, fully merged, then you're not actually living what you believe. And I think there's a lot of temptation to kind of keep basically your head and your heart separated because it is very, very hard to be open to change. Um, but that's what we have the sacraments for. They're, they and, help you do that.
1: And just kind of what you're saying, and especially for those who are really involved in the world of apologetics or myself teaching religion classes Mm -hmm. is that temptation to simply know about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But not necessarily know him. And I really like what you were saying there is about, he was gazing at you from Mm -hmm. his picture, like his eyes locked with your eyes. And that's really when we get to know someone, not just know about them, but when we get to know them Mm -hmm. is that making that, Eye contact and, and seeing into the depths of who they are, and developing that relationship, and so then those those seeds that you're saying are planted and moving from your head to the heart. That's something I struggle with all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ultimately that that will probably be the forever problem with smart Catholics, because just from the name uh, is it's going to attract a certain kind of person, and but the temptation that we all have to be regularly aware of is the, the, uh, the difference between doing the right thing and doing the easy thing. And the easy thing is to always run away into your head. Um, so that's the, that's me on a stick right there.
1: And so how did you find or What strategies did you find or What ways did mm-hmm. you use to move from between your ears and into your heart?
0: that um that's a good question and that Mm. question
1: that question wasn't on the list it's just come out of the conversation
0: but you know i I will i think i'll credit um forever my wife for helping me do that because um when i married her i was a jackass and she loved the jackass but um purely the act of being married to her and um you know it, it starts with the the kind of the honeymoon phase of, wow, we're going to be married together. It's going to be wonderful. And then then after two years, you're like, wow, um, I didn't actually know what I was getting into. And that's, that's, you know, probably a good thing. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm scrapping around and I'm flailing and I'm arguing with myself and, uh, you know, getting mad and then give it another two years. Like, Oh, now I'm beginning to get a sense. I'm beginning to get a sense of who I am being called to be. And then we have our little girl um, also, uh, uh, Maria, we call her peanut. She's now eight years old, being, being married to, to my wife. Um, but even taking a step back, having to live for somebody else or two other people, and even taking a step back from that, having to learn how to love somebody else unconditionally, that's a path I'm going to be walking for the entire rest of my life. Cause I keep getting my own way, but that is the number one thing that has um, contributed the fastest, I think, to, uh, <clears throat> to, to my sense of growth. And I'll admit, I keep running away from it constantly because it isn't easy. Um, the, the, the sacrament of marriage is the clearest expression of the inner life of the Trinity. Constant, unconditional love, constant, unconditional self-gift. And the average human being struggles with that that is not how we evolved that is not how we developed (laughs) that is not how our survival mechanisms are put together so we are we're fighting a lot of instinct to to get married and to stay married and then to accept the growing pains that come from from being married and and then having a child and then recognizing my role in the cosmos now changes because I have a child. And what ends up happening is learning to love somebody unconditionally, learning to raise a child, dredges up all of your inner wounds. If, if you're in it for the right reasons, if you want to do it because you recognize my wife and, and, and my child, they are Christ to me forever. And now that I've made this commitment to them, I am not getting into heaven or able to start experiencing or living it now without a relationship with them, without supporting them and understanding them and living for them. Because if I run away from them, I'm running away from Christ. And that's just, that's not possible. There's no happiness to be found in that. And, so, I,
1: and I think that's just a, a beautiful imagery that you put out there, that notion of marriage being an earthly I don't want to use the word symbol, but an earthly manifestation of the Trinity. And that learning to love unconditionally, because that is who God is. God Mm -hmm. is love. But God is that unconditional love that our human nature has such a difficult time grappling with. And so, like you say, learning to love your wife unconditionally, Mm -hmm. learning to live your child unconditionally is a way of drawing ourselves closer to heaven. And I've always said, that's our primary, primary vocation as husbands and fathers is to help our wives and our children get to heaven mm-hmm. and vice versa.
0: Yeah. Right. And, it, and that's what so that's yeah. And, and that's actually what the pandemic has really. So here going back to that point about belief, you know, head knowledge versus heart life, you know, belief versus thinking. Um, I was trying to act out things that I was believing, and it took the pandemic and kind of losing access to the the habitual sacraments of confession and, and the Blessed Eucharist, losing access to those to make me realize, what do I got now? What am I? What am I left with? Oh, I have three other sacraments that I am in daily contact with that are um outward signs of inward graces where i don't need a priest to to be mediating them i'm not sure if i'm using the right terminology here but i have access mm-hmm. to to effect them daily and that's that's baptism and confirmation and and uh, and marriage baptism you're set apart your life is not your own you can't do whatever you want you can't just be whoever you want to be you have a point to your life now go figure it out and every single day that I mean, that's going to be pricking your conscience and sort of inspiring and driving you, not to want to set yourself apart from everybody in, in, in a sense of superiority, but setting yourself apart in a sense of servanthood. Because when we live the best lives, that when we're the best versions of ourselves, then we're providing the greatest service to everybody else. And then that's where confirmation comes in and bolsters that. Who are you as you reach out to? And react to and respond to other people how are your engagements with your community at large confirmation helps prompt and inspire and guide that you can't just run away and back off or you can't overwhelm or be unthinking how you live out your your baptismal you know promises within the community is what confirmation inspires And then marriage is the, (laughs) you're going to chain yourself to another person for the rest of your life. And if she's a good woman or a good husband, they won't let you be less than you can be. And I will regularly try to run away to that. And I thank her for helping me, you know, hold me to a higher standard. And then it works the other way as well. All three of these things are sacraments that each of us, well, if you're married, then you've got maybe, you know, two or at least one with baptism. They do not let you stay as you are because God loves you too much to leave you the way you are, even though he absolutely loves you. And that's the whole point is sometimes we have to work out um, learning how to love others so that we can learn to get a sense of what it means to love ourselves, or to be kind to ourselves, and then we can begin to understand what it means to have God love us. And I think all three of those kind of have to be worked on or end up being worked on at exactly the same time. You can't just sort of go and figure out only one, all three support each other. And that's the golden rule. Love your neighbors yourself as God loves you. But I think we forget a lot about that.
1: Because we're so constantly looking inward mm-hmm. that we forget to look outwards.
0: And yeah, that's- yeah. And also and- we're, we're often not modeled the right kind of behavior. Um, our our parents are flawed human beings. People in our community you know, perish, and so on. Everybody's working out their own inner journeys. They've got their own troubles and, and pains, and so on. And not everybody's, you know, living at their their hundred percent in their life in Christ. So we're constantly looking at how other people are living their lives in Christ, and uh, we either mimic it or or we reject it, but. A lot of the time we spend just mimicking. We copy a lot because that's what we do as human beings. We, we pay attention. And if we're not modeled the right kind of behavior from, from parents or siblings or people we trust or people in the parish, mm-hmm. then we end up blindly modeling the poor behavior, the bad responses, whether we want it or not. And we end up just sort of internalizing that. That ends up leading to, of course, a lot of pain and, and, and misery and slow movement in the life of Christ. But that's if we're running around blindly. If we're taking that moment, and that's actually what, for example, this month is the prayer of the rosary. If you're taking the prayer of the rosary as an inner pilgrimage to become more aware of who should I reflect on and meditate on and ruminate on for the best lived life? Well, we have Christ through the heart of Mary, through the eyes of Mary. Through their, you know, their lived experience of expressing God to the world. I wanted to ask
1: you then. So you, you talk mm-hmm. about your your childhood and moving around within the Catholic faith communities, but from New Zealand to Australia to to France and Fiji and eventually to the United States, and then. Your own personal conversion and the pilgrimage that you know, your wife and your daughter have have helped bring you along has brought you to a point, and it was really, I want to say March April twenty twenty, because mm-hmm. that that yeah. whole month and a half was a little bit hazy um, <laughs> for yeah, everybody, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but you started the the smart Catholics mm-hmm. at that time. And so how did all of this Mm -hmm. end up as the smart Catholics community?
0: There was a point about a year, maybe, maybe about a year beforehand, my wife and I were standing in an airport. um, I think it was Reagan international out of DC. We were flying to Arizona to get her some medical treatment. Um, She's been grappling with Lyme's disease for uh, about eight years now. So we were heading out there and up on the, The wall above the check-in line was this great big screen and it was playing some silent advertisements. And it showed this amazing montage of the latest scientific developments in cell research and gene therapy and spinning helixes. And, and, you know, it all looked so very, very cool. And it made science look extremely amazing. And I remember looking at that thinking, gosh, I mean, well, that kind of reminds me of what Bishop Barron is doing on Word and Fire why don't we have some kind of glossy institute for philosophy? You know, the, the love of wisdom, the love of um, discovering the, the secrets of God, that kind of thing. Why don't we look like that? Um, you know, you just don't ever see any of that at all. But it's science because, has it. that's because Catholics have
1: traditionally done their media in mm-hmm. the church basement with their grandmother's camcorder Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, Catholic media up until the last five, maybe 10 years, up until Bishop Barron and the word on fire yeah. has been cheesy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I, and I don't think that's on the one hand, You we can have the discussion about, you know, yes, relate to the table and so on, but I think there's another sort of discussion in the sense of, the, the pressure on human history within this past century has been absolutely catastrophic in terms of the, the the two world wars and then the impact of the Cold War. And I don't know if any of your, your listeners or yourself have heard of um, uh, Dan Carlin and his series called Hardcore Histories, but um, uh, he's he's been working on a series of the uh, Second World War more recently, extremely... Um, Detail and he goes into everything, very difficult sometimes to listen to. But he makes the one point that <clears throat> um, with the advent of nuclear weapons, modern man has kind of felt like he's been walking around this whole time with a gun taped to his head that could go off at any point. And the stress that that creates within the human person, um, well, it's unbelievable. And we can understand why people regularly panicked about what was going to happen in the future over and over again for 60 years you know Mm -hmm. and so that has spurred and prompted scientific development you know with the desperation of a dying you know a dying person so i can understand why we're late to the table because we've been desperately focused maybe on how do we preserve where we are and then of course the our, our holy mother church and Vatican II is just, you know, trying to catch up and read the signs of the times and and reprogram us to, you know, better fit how quickly everything is changing and and so on. So I think we're now at a phenomenal point in uh, in history to adopt and then and celebrate and and take further what all of this technology is doing. I remember seeing Bishop Barron's trailer for his Catholicism series. And as soon as I saw it, I remember thinking this is exactly why we've developed technology or why the Holy Spirit has prompted it, you know. I think Jordan Peterson calls, um, he describes modern science, it's its not only the outgrowth of Catholicism or Christianity, he actually calls it the new form of Christianity. It sort of grew from sort of one version into another, and we dropped some things, and we added a whole bunch of new other things. But that sense of, um, you know, uh, just exploring and discovering discovering all of the wonders of the universe and then finding out what can be done with it now it's it's become unmoored from all kinds of things but there's a lot of phenomenal good that's come from it now for the first time ever we can reach people at scale as they say one video can reach a million people st paul could never have done that i mean he didn't have a megaphone mm-hmm. um i mean well amphitheaters maybe still so that was kind of like rattling in my brain after seeing that trailer and sitting on the plane. And then, right as, um, uh, as the pandemic hit, um, a couple of friends approached me and said, Hey, everybody wants to do online conferences now. You know, speakers are out of work. What can we do? And I thought, Well, we need something to help us get smarter. We need smart Catholics. It's a smart age smartphones, smart devices, smart homes. What does a smart Catholic look like? I have no idea. But if St. Francis lived in the space age or St. Hildegard of Bingen, if they lived in the space age, what would, how would they live? I don't know. So let's, let's start figuring this out. And, and so we ended up, as you've mentioned, running a couple of conferences, renewed hope and then several others. And then very quickly, it just became clear to me. We need a a community for all the people coming together with these conferences. So uh, we launched the community, um, made it very quickly free for everybody to come in and join. And, and it's just continued to grow um, in the last, well, it's been one year now, our first anniversary. So we've now become the fastest growing community to support our Holy Father and, and, uh, you know, his guidance for where the church needs to be going and addressing the situation of the modern world. And, and I think that's the core thing is um, how do we create a culture of kindness around a culture of learning? That's wrestling with how to live as modern Catholics, not running away from the modern world and everything that's awful about it, but actually engaging with it because we can love what's underneath it, what's actually happening around it. I think Bishop Barron says you can't love a dead thing. So if we think the modern world is dead, well, we're never going to do anything with it. But that's one of the reasons why I love Sodom and Gomorrah as a, as a metaphor. You know, God was saying, I will save this city if there were 10 good people in it. And um, one commentator pointed out, well, if you do the math, that means two angels, Lot, his wife, uh, his two girls, where are we at? Six, their husbands, maybe seven, eight, plus maybe there's somebody else. And this there's two people. So for lack of two good people, Sodom didn't make the cut, you know? So instead of, that's now become my kind of my, my creed, instead of decrying Sodom, how hard are we trying to be the 10 that keeps the wrath averted that is actually being the fertile soil that allows the seeds to grow so that we can impact because every person can impact 100 people and that impact impacts you know other people every life lived is lived in communion so often
1: we don't know realize or understand the impact that we are having right we like you say, search to be one of those ten good people that are a living witness. And again, you've alluded to it time and again this evening that you know people will watch us before they will listen to us. They want yeah. to. They want to see our faith to decide whether they want to listen to our faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know how often. It has rippled back to me. Someone has said, you know, because you do this or because you do that, this is how I've changed my life. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and, and something as simple, like as a family, when we go out to the restaurant, we'll say grace before meals. And having people come up afterwards, there was one that was just my son and I, and we were at the, the Lone Star. I don't know if you have Lone Star. It's, it's supposed to be Texas, Tex-Mex food, but uh, yeah, as only Canada can do Tex-Mex food, I guess. Uh, so, and it was just my son and I, and he was maybe eight or nine years old at the time. And so, but we said grace before meals. And then we had our tacos and you know, he had his orange pop and I had my beer. And towards the end of the meal, this lady came over as she was on her way out of the restaurant. She said, And she just said, you know, we were so impressed to see you and your son pray like that.
0: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. and hopefully then it's given her the courage Mm -hmm. to do the same yeah right and so the 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 whole smart catholics community is like you're saying trying to bring those people Mm -hmm. together
0: you know i really think that our culture is fast reaching a point um, as it relates to christianity where um, when you see a couple of buddhist monks for example Having a meal somewhere. Um, not exactly sure where they would eat. I don't. Not that familiar with Buddhism. But let's say you were to see them, and I don't know if they were to do some kind of prayer. You know, you would look at them in their their beautiful robes and maybe their shaved heads and their sense of centeredness and whatever. And you look at that and you think, wow, that I don't have that. Let me watch that for a little while. Um, that fascinates me. And maybe you'll strike up conversation to find out what is the reason for your joy you know and i think that catholics and christians are fast reaching that point as well where we've made a lot of mistakes in the past in terms of maybe our culture and, and how we live that out and you know but if we start becoming more intentional about it again and we start being more aware of how we live again—that that culture of kindness. I mean, this is the reason why the early Christians just exploded in the ancient world because nobody under- had ever experienced the idea of a culture built around kindness. The Roman culture was built around this this um, autocracy, very severe, you know, patriarchy because they had an incredibly difficult mission to keep the world running and under control, and that that impacted their families and that impacted how they treated their slaves and their servants and, and other people and other cultures and so on. And then Christianity shows up and, and exemplifies this other way of human living. And it just takes off and they can't stop it. And because it's so beautiful and because it's so fully human, well, that is what we've, we've kind of lost that for a variety of reasons, and that's a very big discussion. But I think we've lost that. And um, I can't remember who it was. Somebody made the point that right now we're at this funny point in history where the West is looking with awe at the mysteries of the East. And we're running over there because we see that as, as real and, and rooted and you know a greater expression of, of our um, human existence. And then funnily enough, all, the East is fascinated by the freedom and the individualism and the materialism and the comfort of the West. And so they're abandoning one thing and running towards us. And, and you know, Catholics, in, in a way, are called to kind of model today, how are we faithful in peacetime? Because for most of us in the first world, we're not living in... I mean, there are some terrible, terrible wartime places in the world right now where people are mm-hmm. going through utterly horrific human rights situations. in the, In the first world, West, we're not enduring any of that. Um, so we have to learn how to model being faithful without the threat of death. <laughs> because as we continue to inspire and impact and 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 spread that, because. We want to reach a point where every human being is able to have all of their basic needs met and not be, you know, be under threat for their life or their livelihood or their um, you know th- their, their belief. You know, we want to bring everybody to a better quality of life so that we can communicate, you know, with them. But if we can't figure that out and if we can't model that for our kids, our kids aren't going to be able to pass that on and then i mean they're not just the future they are the present right now so i see that as the, the paramount charism of the west and then the, the, our mission as modern catholics is how do we live it out how are we the, the the face and the hands and the expression and the words and the voice of christ to the world because if they're not getting it from us who are they going to get it from you know who's going to be able to lead them to kind of the, the fast track to living the abundant life. Now we'll find plenty of other people in other religions who are living beautiful integrated, you know, good lives, but there's going to be other issues that they are not going to be able to resolve. We've been gifted the sacraments, but it's in earth and vessels and we are cracked and we are spilling stuff everywhere. But that just, just speaks to the, the, you know, profligacy of god's goodness to just keep giving and giving and giving
1: and and thanks be to god there's you know, folks like yourself and everyone else over at smart catholics that are providing these avenues to you know bring people together but also to get the word out and and to make the word available and to make our dynamic faith available so that even if we do lose our way and a lot of us do lose our way I always say for myself you know as a teenager the wheels fell off and I wasn't able to get them back on the vehicle again uh, until I was in my mid-20s and met my wife and was able to started living faithfully again and there wasn't at that time places like smart Catholics to go to to feed my faith, and kind of, again, roaming around it in the dark. And I've watched Smart Catholics, having been there from the beginning, and uh, I can't tell you the number of times uh, I heard the joke, or the number of times I was asked, what are you doing at smart Catholics? Don't you realize the name of it? Thanks. Thanks. Um, that was usually my son, right? Like this, gotcha, (laughs) dad, it's called smart Catholics. What are you doing? And have been able to watch it evolve from that first conference, be refined kind of, I think kind of baptism by fire, as you said, Uh, everybody was doing these online conferences back Mm -hmm. in April, May of, of 2020, uh, and really not knowing what direction we were all going in. And we were just kind of mm-hmm. flying by the, the seat of our pants and watching it evolve through those conferences now into uh, the online courses. Mm-hmm. And most recently I've been seeing the the mastermind videos. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you want to share a little bit about where smart Catholics is at today,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we are now is we are a, a a membership community for Catholic creators, people like yourself, to collaborate together to build the kingdom. Because a lot of, of wonderful Catholic speakers were kind of off on their own different websites, doing their own different things. And it's very mm-hmm. difficult to grow your ministry that way. But when we can come together and, and collaborate, we can serve the Catholic community and we, you know, far faster far more, you know, more efficiently. And, and for uh, Catholics at large, everywhere in the world, we have Catholics from, we have Catholics from Africa, a huge number from, well, the the United States and and England and the Philippines and so on. And we, we come together, like, you know, some people checking daily and some are weekly, maybe a couple of times a month, because we're constantly working with this, this core idea, a culture, which is a lived experience of, kindness. So it's not about the, the the division, the toxicity and the the, the entrenchment along our, our ideologies and so on, but recognizing there's a human face and a human heart to be engaging with. So culture of kindness and then learning, because we always have to be open at least to learning and then always trying to find some way to grow so that we're not self-referential It's something the Holy Father is constantly, you know, uh, calling us to be aware of. Always be open, open to the Holy Spirit, open to learning, open to what the average person on the street could have to teach you. Because if you have the sense that somebody has nothing to teach you, then you've lost and you're already starting off on the wrong foot with, with that person. But if, if we always assume that the person that we're talking to, whoever they might be, or the thing that we're reading or learning about, has something that we can learn, to deepen who we are and how we interact with other people well then we have a much better chance of surviving this world and of seeing what christ is doing in somebody else's life so uh so that's that's the idea for the community and obviously people can come in and see there's there's uh we call it joy scrolling instead of doom scrolling you you pick the groups that you want to join and and you know people um, have left these wonderful comments and reviews that they love to come here because it, it bolsters their faith. It makes them feel happy again, as opposed to so many other networks where it seems to favor and prioritize bad attitudes and, and, you know, depressing posts. So people can come at least joy scroll with us, which is just a beautiful thing. Then if they want to start going a little more deeply, they can, uh, there are particular groups they can join um, to spend more time with, catholic creators and, and hosts and that's what the mastermind interview series is all about um, is introducing the, the catholic communities to people like yourself Robert, bear and uh, others who have ministries so we're creating an interview series to let, let's meet them people who support smart catholics and and kind of on the same wavelength and find out what they're doing so that people can again continue learning and then that's where we have realized our future is for um, or at least it's making a whole lot of sense right now. And so we're building it out and it's really working well, um, online courses. We're trying to build the uh, home for free online Catholic courses um, for the world, if we can swing it, but we'll see how far we can get. But it's, um, uh, we've started out, we've got like what, four to six kind of free courses right now that anybody can start and they, they're all online, they're they are beautiful, they're, they're on demand. And we have plenty more coming down the pipeline. So again, it's creating that, that, um, uh, that space for attention, for learning, and that space for kindness so that you can trust that you're with the right kind of people.
1: So what are a couple of examples of the courses that you have on offer right now? Just let people have an idea of sure. what to expect when they get there.
0: We have a variety and we're going to continue to have um, a variety. So uh, let's see, we have a course on, um, Terry Modica did the Luminous Mysteries of the Rosary, I think it was, or, or just the Mysteries of the Rosary, uh, especially because this is the month of October. Uh, we have a course on freedom from, uh, I forget the title. Uh, it's it's for inner growth in the spirit and moving away from shame and perfectionism and fear. Um, we have a course, uh, something I put together on how to be a Catholic author. It's like a, uh, helping Catholic authors write write fiction. Um Servant leadership, how to be the kind of leader people want to follow. Um, that's another little course. Uh, there's a course on evangelization taken out of the, the homilies from uh, Pope Francis that, that he's given over the years, They're put together into one little course. So it covers, there's a variety of things, and that's kind of the, it's going to be the fun part of it, the beauty of it. Being the home for Catholic courses, free Catholic courses, uh, all kinds of different things are going to be added um, each month.
1: So there's a little bit of something for everybody,
0: which, Well, exactly, which, is, which yeah. is amazing. Where can people go to find this? I, yep. mean, Smart there, there's smartcatholics.com. I was going to say that's, smartcatholics.com. That's uh, yep. They can visit that. You'll, you'll see the red buttons that say, join, you know, uh, enter the free community. Uh, and then up along the top, you'll see some other buttons that like, for example, free courses, um, they can learn more about us. Um, if they want to, they can send us a gift to, to support the idea, support the mission. But most importantly, just come on and join us.
1: And you were talking about joy scrolling. Usually mm-hmm. when I'm swinging by smart Catholics to, to joy scroll, uh, it's through the app. Mm-hmm. So the, I it's the, the mighty networks
0: app. That yeah. We're built well. on the mighty networks platform. Yep. So you'll download, uh, there, there's an app or you can browse it, um, on your, your desktop browser, just log in and. Uh, access it both ways
1: yeah just so people know that they're not necessarily tied to their desktop or their laptop but kind of just a- any smart device you can find smart catholics mm-hmm. right and i know it's been a blessing in my life and again you talk about that joy scrolling Is on other social media platforms i hate to say it but sometimes catholics can be nasty with one another yeah it's sad isn't it right and like you said that's not what we're about that's not what the faith is about that's not living out the faith the way it's intended to to be mm-hmm. lived out so again the smart catholic community is just such a blessing to go and discover the faith and it's a safe place to also express your faith mm-hmm. as well so it's it's absolutely beautiful I want to thank you, Dominic, for taking the time this evening. Because you said you have another conference that's on tomorrow. I mean, by the time I get this put together and out there, the you, the conference you have tomorrow will be three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's the the other apostolate that you're you're working on? Because again, very busy gentleman.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's the um, I I support Paulus Iskonic with the Catholic Homeschool Network. So right around the same time that Smart Catholics launched. Uh, she was working on this this vision to reimagine the future of Catholic homeschooling, because 20 years ago, we didn't have things like YouTube and uh, the internet and, and all of these blogs. And the pandemic has forced a lot of families to reevaluate how to create the right kind of freedom and the right kind of community and connectivity for their families. And so she's continued to run multiple conferences each year and she's now got her own community. And, and so I work with her behind the scenes to, to make that happen.
1: Making me tired, just listening to everything that you you, you have on the go. I'm feeling like a bit of a schlep. I, I have my, my one job and then a little apostolate on the side. Uh, you're working 26 hours a day, it seems.
0: Uh, oh, well, we, we, we try. <laughs>
1: I'm taking a look. My my glass is just about empty. I don't know how your mm-hmm. dandelion coffee is going. Yep. It must, probably uh, a, a nice coffee drinks. by now. Yeah. So, yep. again, thank you so very much for joining us here on the Pints and Pews podcast. It was a pleasure catching up again with you.
0: Oh, well, likewise, um, my friend. Thanks for having me.
1: It's uh, been been way too long. The time seems to have flown by. Both the pint the coffee, and the conversation have been been wonderful. The conversation definitely much nicer than the pint, but the the Brock Street Lagered Amber Ale was quite nice and, and what was needed uh, after a long day. Mm. But the greatest pleasure, as always, is talking about our Catholic faith. And so just before we wrap up here this evening, uh, I want to ask everyone to... Our listeners, if they could do a quick favor and take a moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review so that, you know, other like-minded Catholics can find us a little bit more easily. Uh, Take the time also to, in the show notes, we'll have uh, smartcatholics.com and uh, swing by there and check out the community that Dominic has uh, so lovingly created and nurtured over this time hopefully we'll be able to chat again soon dominic and i know uh, hopefully dennis will be able to to be back here as well within the next couple of episodes and until we meet again on the podcast airwaves i want to remind our listeners of the wise words of gk chesterton we should thank god for beer and burgundy by not drinking too much of them So again, enjoy your beverage as God intended. God bless.